The Atlanta Braves get a dominant performance from Spencer Strider on the mound and some key hits from big bats in the middle of the order as they bounce back for a good win over the Phillies on Tuesday. We'll talk about that and also give you two more potential trade targets as the deadline approaches. All of that on today's episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we are covering your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopvault and check out my bio there to see where I am covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Hit that thumbs up button on this video. Hit that notification bell so you get notified every time we post a new episode. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen each and every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. We'll have plenty of coverage of the trade deadline throughout this week, leading up to the August 2nd deadline. We'll talk about that today, look at two more trade targets for the Braves, and obviously recap Tuesday's game and set you up for Wednesday's afternoon's game as well, which starts not long after this is posted. Let's start with Tuesday's game, though. After a rough game on Monday, blowing a lead late in the eighth inning, the Braves bounce back with a nice 6-3 victory, pretty much stress-free, although Will Smith made things interesting in the ninth inning, as he tends to do. But overall, I thought a great game, and it just showed you again this team, the resiliency that they have to look put a, a loss away, a bad loss, a heartbreaking loss on Monday, come back out against a really good pitcher in Aaron Nola and get a win. I mean, we talk about it all the time with this team. They just uh, they they know how to erase the previous day, and they know how to refocus. It's why they haven't lost three games in a row all year. They just continue to go out there every day and put up a battle no matter what happened the previous outing. So, again, just love to see that from this team to be able to come out again after a rough day on Monday, going up against a really good starter in Aaron Nola and putting up a five spot on him and ultimately winning six to three. Had a six to one lead going into the ninth inning, and then Will Smith kind of messed that up. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But I wanted to focus on Brian Snicker for a second. He got his 500th win on Tuesday. He's now been with the Braves for seven years. Kind of crazy to think. I mentioned this on the postcast. Look, I thought Brian Snicker was going to be, you know, a transitionary type manager who, you know, got him through the rebuild. But then once they were ready to win again, they'd go out and get a, you know, a big time proven manager. They have stuck with him and it has certainly paid off. The players love playing for him. Seven years, 537 winning percentage, four division titles, a World Series championship under his belt, obviously from last year. But you look at the start of the 2018 season when they were coming out of the rebuild, he's 368 and 275 over those seasons. That's a 572 winning percentage. So he has been incredible. Uh, I don't always agree with his bullpen management, particularly in season. 
but the guys love playing for him. He gets something out of them, uh, you know, every day. And all the players talk about how much they love him and love playing for him. And I think there's something to be said about that. You know, not always is it the X's and O's that make you a great manager. It's motivating your players, getting them to play hard for you each and every day. And I think that's something that Brian Snicker excels at. So wanted to mention that because I don't think many people realize he's becoming one of the greatest managers in the history of this franchise. And I don't think many people would have thought that when he was first took on the job as the Braves manager seven years ago. But getting into Tuesday's game has a big start for Spencer Strider. Excuse me. Um, Had a couple of rough outings before the All-Star break. Uh, Not able to go deep in the game. Not able to get through five innings in either of those two starts before the All-Star break. So hoping the rest uh, really refueled him for the second half. And it certainly looked like it. He looked fresh. He looked locked in. Uh, He was really good. I mean, this was the best version of Spencer Strider that we've seen. Final line, six innings, three hits, one walk, one earned. Gave a solo home run to Schwarber in the sixth inning. Had six strikeouts. Only threw 90 pitches to get through six innings. I thought it was very efficient in this game. Phillies fouled off a lot of tough pitches that did raise up his pitch count, but for the most part, he was pounding the strike zone, getting ahead early, putting batters away. Probably could have gone longer if they needed him to, but they had a nice cushion, a you know, a big lead, 5-1 lead. Uh, when he came out, he did go up a home run and walked the batter in that sixth inning. Also an opportunity to kind of limit his innings and his pitches, a good way to do that. So I thought it was the right time to pull him out. But again, if it were, you know, a big game and it were a little closer, I think you could have ridden him for another inning. 70 of his 90 pitches were four seam fastballs, which is just insane to think that a pitcher today can get through a lineup two and a half times throwing primarily one pitch. Now that one pitch is really good. It's a 97 to 100 mile per hour fastball that has some late life on it and hitters just can't seem to get to it for whatever reason. Even though there's a lot of pitchers today, relievers especially, that throw upper 90s, but there's just something different to this fastball from Spencer Strider that hitters are not able to catch up to. So 70 of his 90 pitches were four-seam fastballs. Only had 11 swings and misses and 13 called strikes. So not the most overly dominant performance in terms of swings and misses and called strikes, but only an 87 mile per hour average exit velocity against, which is low for a guy who throws that hard because the harder you throw, the harder contact hitters are able to make when they square one up. So I thought this was another strong outing from Spencer Strider. Obviously the other 20 pitches that he threw, he threw 18 sliders and two changeups. What I really Uh, What really impressed me or something that stood out to me was the first time through the lineup, he threw 35 pitches, 31 of them were forcing fastballs. So primarily the first time through the lineup, he was just throwing fastballs to these hitters. And then the second time through, you saw him start to throw more sliders. Um, But the first, if you can get through a lineup one time and pretty much just throwing one pitch, uh, you know, that is obviously the way that you get it done. Now, that makes it very important that your secondary pitch is on in his slider, and it has been for the most part. But it just shows you, again, how good that fastball is. All right, to the offensive side of things, I thought this was a great game offensively. I thought this was what the Braves' offense does when they 
are clicking, score early, score in the middle, score late, you know, score throughout. And that's what they did in this one, continue to add on their lead throughout the game. And we got to talk about Austin Riley. We talk about Austin Riley every day now. Two more hits, two doubles, two balls at 100-plus miles per hour. I mean, he is – he also had a nice walk in this game as well. He is just so locked in at the moment. Over his 18-game hitting streak, he's batting 444 with a 1383 OPS, nine doubles, eight homers, 16 runs batted in, 16 runs scored, five walks, 15 strikeouts, 11 multi-hit games in his last 18. That is just crazy. I mean, he is on another level right now, and he is showing he is the best hitter in this Braves lineup. Dansby Swanson, who was the best hitter in the Braves lineup for a majority of the first half of the season, kind of cooled off. I put down month in quotation marks because he's still slashing 284, 330, 420 in July, which I think most people would have taken from a month with Dansby Swanson coming into the season. But compared to what he's done the rest of the season, it's considered somewhat of a down month for him. But a three-hit game, he also had two balls that were hit 100-plus miles per hour or harder, as did Michael Harris, who had a double and a home run in this game. And Matt Olson, I thought, with one of the biggest swings of the game, a two-run homer that essentially put the game away. A ball hit 110 miles per hour, just absolutely crushed. Got ahead in the count 2-0, got a fat pitch over the middle of the plate and did not miss it. He's been great this month as well. Now for a little bit of the negative to, to re- recap Tuesday's game. Acuna, 0 for 5, three-week ground outs and a fly out, a strikeout. Had a chance late in the game, second and third, one out. I thought maybe it was an opportunity for him to you know, do something good, drive some runners in, but he grounded out weakly to third on the first pitch that he saw. He's just he's really struggling, I think, most mostly mentally. I also think there's a mechanical adjustment he needs to make to start getting some more lift on these baseballs. We've talked about that. But he's just not there right now. I believe he'll get there. I mean, he's just too talented not to. But right now, he is he is in a slump. And then Will Smith, I mentioned at the top, gave up a two-run homer in the ninth, made things close, forced Brian Snicker to have to use Kenley Jansen, which he really didn't want to do, coming with a day game on Wednesday. I don't know what you do with Will Smith right now. He's... He's already being used in low-leverage situations like that was, a 6-1 game in the ninth inning, and still he's just not able to get it done. He's still owed around $5 million the rest of the season and has a $1 million buyout for next season. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's a tough tough call, tough decision right now with Will Smith and what you do with him going forward, but he can't pitch in high-leverage situations, that is for sure. All right, next we'll take a look at some trade targets for the Atlanta Braves, a batter and a hitter who could help them at the deadline. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with modern with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring, making each ring one of a kind. If you're looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. 
Yesterday, we started a segment looking at a couple of trade targets for the Atlanta Braves. Going to continue that today, looking at another bat and another arm, this time looking at a starting pitcher. But this is the name that got a lot of um, carry on Tuesday in the trade deadline circles, and that is Ian Happ with the Chicago Cubs, as there are reports that the Cubs aren't really looking to extend him, so they might try to trade him at the deadline. Ian Happ, 27 years old. He'll turn 28 next month. He's under team control through next season. He's making about he's making a little over six million this year, so about three million the rest of the way. And then he'll likely make nine or ten million next year. So again, still coming into his prime, relatively inexpensive and controllable. So a very good target for the Braves. He's a switch hitter. He has experience on the infield, but is primarily a corner outfielder at this point. What I love about him, a high on base guy. 343 career on base percentage, 367 this year. Kind of like you know what I talked about with Brandon Drury. This is the kind of bat that I think the Braves need. Somebody who's not afraid to take a walk. Somebody who can get on base. And also somebody who has some power as well. He has 20-plus home run power. He's done that twice in his career. Only nine homers so far this year. But again, we know he has pop. He can get on base. He's done a great job cutting down on his strikeouts this season. He had a 29.2% K rate last year. Cut that all the way down to 21.4% this year. So he's made adjustments at the plate to make more contact, get on base, cut down on the strikeouts. Exactly what I think this lineup could need. He also can steal a base for you. He averages around eight stolen bases a year. I think he might be pretty expensive, though, uh, because of that control, because of all the things that I mentioned. He might price himself out of what the Braves are willing to give up. But I do like Ian Happ. I think he's a perfect fit for the Braves and what they need. Again, a switch hitter who can get on base, that has some power, can play corner outfield position, could play on the infield in a pinch if needed. So I really like Ian Happ. I think he would be a solid target for the Braves, but I think you might have to part with a pretty valuable prospect in order to get him. But maybe you get the Cubs to throw in David Robertson or Michael Givens in a deal and you get a right-handed reliever out of it as well and give up you know, a solid prospect with that. But I do like the fit of Ian Happ. You get another year of control with him as well. Starting pitcher I wanted to look at today is Noah Syndergaard. 29 years old. Obviously, a lot of you are familiar with Noah Syndergaard who played with the Mets for years. It's pretty expensive. He's making about $7 million the rest of the way. The Angels signed him on a one-year deal for $21 million, so he is a free agent after the season, so this would be a rental-type player. He's been pitching more like a third or fourth starter over his last two months. He's been about a 3-6 ERA. So, again, you're looking at you know somebody who can give you innings, pitch in the third, fourth spot in your rotation. Perhaps there's a little bit more upside there. Has not looked like the dominant Noah Syndergaard of the past that we've seen. His K per nine is way down. His walks per nine up just a little bit from where he was in 2019. You have to remember, this guy didn't pitch it all in 2020. He only threw two innings last year at the big league level, still working his way back from injury, from the surgery. His velocity is down about four miles per hour from 2019. is a big drop, but... When you consider he was throwing 97-98, now he's more 94-95. You know, he's still throwing pretty hard, but it is a, a big drop from where he was before the injury in 2019, which is why 
know, he's pitching more like a middle of the rotation starter instead of a top of the rotation starter like we've seen him be in the past. Again, this is this is the deal I think could be fairly cheap because of the way that he's pitching. Again, he's not a top-end rotation starter. He's a, a third or fourth starter. I think this is also a deal because of the money that's still owed to Syndergaard. Perhaps you could include Will Smith with a prospect in this deal, and you could offset some of that money, unload a contract like Will Smith. Not that it's terrible because you know he's a impending free agent after the year, but that would help you kind of alleviate some of the money owed to Noah Syndergaard the rest of the way and open up a spot in your bullpen to make a move there. I'm not saying they should do that or will do that. I'm just saying it's a possibility you could get creative and give up Will Smith and a mid-level prospect for Noah Syndergaard, and I think that would be an appropriate value for what Noah Syndergaard is and what he would bring to this team. So, again, not the probably the fanciest pick for a starting pitcher or trade target, but I do think Noah Syndergaard has some value. I think he could, again, give you some innings. Um, he would obviously love to stick it to the Mets, his old team, and I think there's that fire that he has. So, uh, again, maybe not my top trade target as far as starting pitching go but i think goes but i think it's a you know somebody you could get pretty cheap to stick in the middle of your rotation i think he'd be better than what ian anderson is giving you right now and perhaps there is a little bit more upside as he continues to work his way back from injury um so i like i like noah Syndergaard as a possible target there i really love ian Happ though that's becoming my number one choice at the trade deadline i'm really loving uh ian Happ and the fit that he could be for this Braves lineup. So that's now four trade targets we looked at. We looked at Brandon Drury yesterday along with David Robertson. So, and now we looked at Ian Happ today and Noah Syndergaard. Let me know if there are any players you would like to me to profile as we go throughout this week on Friday because the off day on Thursday. Probably going to do a whole segment, a whole show on the trade deadline looking at targets. So be sending in any possible names that you want me to talk about on the podcast, and I'll likely do that on Friday's episode. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online source for all your sport wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. Wednesday's game will be starting pretty soon as it's an afternoon affair between the Braves and the Phillies to close out this three game set. It begins at 12 35 p.m. Eastern. The Braves are just 15 and 18 in day games, so hopefully that's a trend that they can turn around. It'll be Charlie Morton on the mound versus Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson had a rough outing his last time out, gave up six earned on six hits and three walks over just four and a third innings with no strikeouts against the Cubs. That was this past Friday after the All-Star break. He's given up three earned or more in six of his last nine starts. He's only allowed two earned on seven hits and one walk. Uh, or in his last outing against the Braves on May 24th, he allowed just two earned on seven hits and one walk over five innings with eight strikeouts. A righty, so we should get to see Eddie Rosario back in the lineup who had a good game on Tuesday. Again, really need to get a long look at Eddie Rosario and see what 
he can do. So hopefully another opportunity for him to continue to get going and have a good game. Cano probably in the lineup as well. I think, you know, his trial run could be coming to an end if he doesn't start to show signs of of improving and really helping out this team over the next week. That's for Charlie Morton. Two earned or less than six of his last seven starts. He had that hiccup against the Mets where he gave up three home runs. But other than that, he's been really solid over the past two months now. Seven strikeouts or more in seven of his last nine starts. And he's gone at least six innings in six of his last eight starts. So Charlie Morton starting to look more like the Charlie Morton we are accustomed to seeing. Hopefully that continues on Wednesday afternoon. It's an opportunity for the Braves to get a series win again after that heartbreaking loss on Monday. A series win against the Phillies. Keep the Phillies down going into the trade deadline. They're still right there, just a half game out of the wild card spot. So I don't think they're they're definitely not going to sell, but perhaps you keep them down and you keep them from buying at the trade deadline and kind of dwindle their hopes of I think they're already done in the NL East, but you know, at least hopefully not push them from making any big moves, taking any trade targets away from the Braves. So I think it's a good opportunity to do that and to kind of take out the Phillies, create some more separation there, and not only in the division, but in the wild card as well. Phillies have four games at Pittsburgh after this. Pittsburgh has played pretty well at times, but uh, would be a great opportunity here to kind of just knock down the Phillies a little bit, especially after all the momentum they had on Monday after Monday's win to kind of resettle and and make and get some order in the division by taking them down. Well, that would do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Thank you for making Locked On Braves your first listen every day. We'll be back tomorrow talking about game three of that Phillies series and looking at more trade targets as the deadline approaches. Now make your second listen, Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOn underscore Braves. You can follow me at ShortstopBall. And make sure that you go rate, review, and subscribe to the Locked On Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacy Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 